Today I wanted to do an extended reflection on the movie Hustle starring Adam Sandler, which you can find on Netflix. And technically speaking, it's, it's a wonderful and amazing film. But also it's kind of meant a lot to me, kind of personally speaking, because um, there's a scene in this movie, which I'll talk about in a moment, which really helped me to come out of a place of, of deep spiritual and personal darkness. And so for that reason, amongst many others, I thought it might be helpful to give a spoiler-filled reflection on this particular film. So to kind of kick things off as an important starting point to kind of frame everything I'm going to talk about today, I thought it might be helpful to talk about this really famous story that you find in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, the story of Martha and Mary. And so as you probably know, Martha and Mary, they're sisters, and more to the point, they're friends of the Lord, right? And so in the context of the story, they basically invited Jesus over for dinner. And so Martha is working away in the kitchen, and Mary is sitting basically at Jesus' feet, listening to his every word. In response to which Martha is really critical of Jesus. And so basically what she says to Jesus is like, look, why don't you ask my sister to come help me in the kitchen? In response to which Jesus says what? Martha, Martha, you were anxious and worried about many things. And so again, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and worried about many things. Now, as you probably know, the typical way to interpret this particular story is to kind of draw a certain conflict or tension between the active life and the contemplative life. Martha, of course, representing the active life, and Mary, of course, representing the contemplative life. And the takeaway message from this perspective is that obviously the contemplative life is better. And even though there's obviously a certain merit to reading this particular text in this particular way, at the same time, it misses kind of two key points. First of all, this notion that both Martha and Mary are saints, right? So that's a really important detail. But also kind of more to the point, this idea that there's nothing inherently wrong with work. There's nothing inherently wrong with the active life. And we know this, for example, because of what we find in the opening chapters of the Bible, right? So think, for example, of the book of Genesis, the story of our first parents, Adam and Eve. And so before the coming of original sin, Adam is put in charge with this really important responsibility of naming the animals, right? So again, before sin enters into the world, Adam is given the very important responsibility of naming the animals that God has created. And what this tells us is that work is not a punishment, but instead work is a blessed and holy thing, an active way to collaborate with the providential designs of the Creator God. And this makes sense, actually, if you go back to the Gospel. And so if you go back to the particular wording of this story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, what exactly is Jesus critical of? Not so much of the work per se, but rather of the particular manner in which Martha is doing her work. And so again, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. Which speaks to the fact that work, when done right, is peaceful, calm, recollected, respectful of a certain rhythm befitting of the Creator God. Whereas in contrast, work which is kind of chaotic and, and frantic and worried and anxious is symptomatic of, of a certain something-something, a certain unresolved tension or difficulty residing deep in one's heart. And to give you sort of a concrete illustration as to what this particular tension might look like, perhaps we might turn now to the movie Hustle. And so basically, in the context of the film, Adam Sandler plays this MBA scout named Stanley Sugarman, who basically works for the Philadelphia 76ers. In the midst of his travels, particularly to the country of Spain, he stumbles upon this really raw but talented rookie named Bo Cruz, who he quickly discovers has a really interesting and checkered past. And so first of all, he discovers that Bo Cruz is a single father, right? And so he takes care of both his mother and his young daughter while working in construction. He also discovers that Bo Cruz was charged with assault back in the day. But on top of that, he intuits that the real reason why this guy is prone to anger and violence is because of basically unresolved daddy issues. So back in the day, when he was still young, um, his father basically abandoned him as a child. 
Anyways, after seeing Bo Cruz basically dominate the local competition, Stanley takes him back to America, but then quickly has a falling out with his employers, as a result of which he takes upon himself to train Bo Cruz, using his own money and using his own personal resources. And of course, as you might expect, this ultimately culminates in this really great opportunity to work out and train before NBA scouts immediately before the NBA draft. But then tragically, what happens is that during a really important game before the NBA scouts, Bo Cruz is provoked into an act of violence because of something that the other person said from the opposing team, as a result of which everyone starts drawing these really broad conclusions about who he is and what he's all about. And so who's Bo Cruz? He's basically this really angry and violent kid with daddy issues who can't do anything to escape his own past. But then that gives rise to this really great scene, this really great conversation between Bo Cruz and his mother, who's just flown over from Spain. And for my money, this is like the very best scene in the entire film. Like this is a scene which really changed my life and pulled me out of a deep space of spiritual darkness, right? And so um, it's kind of interesting that the whole scene is done in Spanish, but for that reason, it's all the more beautiful. And so the scene basically begins with Bo Cruz with his mother in his hotel room. And she begins by giving him a compliment. So she says something like, um, you were marvelous out there. In response to which he basically tells her to stop. Like so heavily steeped is he in a sense of self-hatred that he can't even receive a compliment. But undeterred, she presses in. And so she says, you know, look, you don't realize how incredible you are, right? And so she goes on to say, like, you do so many things for other people. You do so many things for, for me and your daughter, um, so much love for other people, but no love for yourself, you know? And then she goes on to say that, you know, when I came here from Spain and I saw you, um, you looked different, you looked lighter like a weight had been lifted from you. And I think this man, Stanley, I think he does for you what you do for us. Like he takes the weight upon himself so that you can be you. And then she finally ends by basically saying to him, like, look, um, this basketball thing, you can let it go, you cannot let it go, but this thing that this man, Stanley, has given to you, don't you ever let that go. And so in the context of the movie, as you might expect, in the aftermath of receiving this really important pep talk from his mom, Bo Cruz finds a whole new sense of freedom and self-worth. And so when he finds a, a second chance to prove himself in the context of the NBA, he seizes the opportunity and the movie ends with him finally being a full-fledged member of the National Basketball Association. But you know, for me as a Catholic priest, you know, watching this film, the reason why I love this movie so much and the reason why in particular I love that scene, that conversation between Bo Cruz and his mom, is because of that moment in a certain sense is emblematic of the essence of the gospel. Because you see, you think of it like this. I think a lot of us, quite honestly, we, we labor intensely with this deep sense of shame and self-hatred for a whole variety of different reasons, right? Past failings, past sins, things we've done, things we failed to do, shortcomings in terms of our own personal character. And maybe something as simple as, you know, I feel recurringly so weak and so afraid. And the fact of the matter is, I hate my weakness, and I despise my fear. But more to the point, how is it that we typically deal with these things? You know, how do we typically deal with this recurring problem of weakness and insufficiency? I think quite honestly, the way we deal with these things is that we tend to go the way of busyness. We tend to go the way of Martha, right? Filling our days with distractions, or perhaps worse in a certain sense, trying to make up for our past shortcomings with a plethora of good works right now in the present moment. And while obviously it's a good idea to take responsibility for our sins, to try to make amends for the wrong that we've done in the past, at the same time, the problem with this approach is that eventually we come to recognize that it's not enough. And so therefore, eventually we got to get to the point where we say to the Lord in a deep spirit of brutal honesty, like, I can't do this. 
And so therefore, Lord, you need to take on the burden. You need to take on the burden which I cannot carry and which is quite honestly crushing my soul. And the good news is that the Lord can, He does, and He will, to allow us the freedom to be our true selves. Now, along these lines, obviously a really concrete and tangible way to take advantage of this gift that the Lord is offering to us is to go frequently and often to the sacrament confession. But at the same time, we've got to be careful to look at the sacrament in the appropriate way. And so, for example, the sacrament of confession is never meant to be an opportunity to fall yet again into the pit of despair. Nor is the sacrament ever meant to be an opportunity to plunge ever deeper into the pool of shame and self-hatred. But instead, the sacrament is meant to be an opportunity to become free. This is the moment that I come to the Lord in all honesty and ask Him to relieve me of the burden. Lord, take upon Yourself the burden of my sins, such that I might come to experience yet again the joy and the freedom that comes with being a child of God. And may God bless you all.